Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Manchester Football Social. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast. Make sure you've hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. And also, go search for our Manchester City and Manchester United channels, whichever colour you support. If you search Manchester City or Manchester United Football Social, wherever you find your podcasts, you'll get that. Me, Steve and Day will be back after this. Manchester Football Social. Hello, welcome to the Manchester Football Social. Your chance is always to have your say on your team, even if your team probably wasn't involved this week. If you want to get involved, it's 0345 7625. That is the phone number. Pick up the phone and have a chat. Save that number in your phone so you can get us whenever you have a thought in your head. Give us a bell tonight on whatever you fancy, because it's your show, so you can tell us what you want to talk about. 0345 7625. You can also text in on 87711. You can talk to me, I'm Jim. You can talk to him. He's Steve McInerney and he's in for City today. Hello, Jim. You all right? I'm good, Thor. I uh, want to hear from people today about Ryan Sterling. Apparently, everyone loves him now, so basically, get phone in, get texts in, and whether Raheem Play of the year worthy. Play of the year. Is it still Van Dyke? We've got for the Reds, we've got Dave Statman Dave Dave as well. Hey Dave. <laughs> I'm good, man. I want to get the uh, the caller's thoughts or text in uh, the best over player uh, best overseas player ever in the Premier League. There's a lot of red names in there, there's a lot of blue names in there. So get involved, of course. The BBC had a poll. We'll chat about that a little bit later on. Controversial poll as well. Some Very. big names missing from that. Your thoughts on that a little bit. And I want to talk about Alex Ferguson's chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> the very last piece of gum chewed by Fergie in the Manchester United dugout sold at auction this week for an amazing £400,000. People have too much money. Yeah, Alexis Sanchez <laughs> bought it with a week's wages maybe. So I want to know, if money was absolutely no object to you at the moment, what piece of footballing memorabilia would you like to buy and put on display in your house? Would it be Fergie's chewing gum? Would it be something else? You can get us on the text for that, 87711, or you can tweet at MCR Footy Social. We'll get Steve and Dave's choices for their memorabilia very soon as well. But as we're in the international break, let's start off by talking about the international football. And England were in fine form at the weekend. Free-flowing, attacking football. Probably the best England performance I remember seeing in the last few years. And still... 
I didn't care. <laughs> Did anyone care about the international? May you honesty at least. I, know, I just really struggle. I think I got a little bit excited during the World Cup, but that glow feels like it's faded at the moment. Did you care Look, about they, watching England, Steve? They had my curiosity. Now they kind of have my attention. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. At the moment, it seems quite refreshing. Like I'm, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really bothered about caring, but they are mm. kind of dragging me in uh, by hook or crook simply because it feels fresh and it feels different. And obviously, as well as a City fan. It was nice to see Sterling's, you know, name up in lights and everyone get excited by it. But it's just seeing the likes of like Declan Rice and Sancho, and then obviously you've got uh, you know Trent Alexander-Arnold and Hudson Odoi in the squad. Just basically young players with loads of talent who seem like a far stretch away from what we were used to only a few years ago. And it just feels different. It feels exciting, um, and it feels like there's a lack of cynicism around the England team at the moment, and that's nice because uh, in years gone by, people were just tired of what we were seeing every single yeah, every single international break and, and I guess it really helps that the football's good as well it's just fun you know it's attacking football it's what people want to see from an England team in terms of like I don't think it's too enthralled to the Spanish way or anything like that mm. but it's still creative uh, and it's lively and energetic and I guess that just makes it uh, a lot easier to kind of relate to and enjoy Do you think as a City fan there is any influence on Pep Guardiola's 100% Definitely. Do you think him coming to the Premier League well, has forced England into this style of football? Because well, it looked very Man City-esque when they played at the weekend. Sterling's goal in particular was just pure Manchester City. The way like Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling were kind of switching between midfield and obviously it ended up with Harry Kane uh, into midfield playing a through ball to Jadon Sancho. Obviously um, a guy very versed in Manchester City's ways mm. playing across to Sterling for a back post tapping. It, 100% those kind of goals happen every single day um, training at Manchester City. And I've seen that so many times from Manchester City teams and the way they're all comfortable now. There's a bit of Klopp's football in there as well in terms of the you know, tenacity and all, all that kind of energy. Well, it's but just yeah, a different of course. style that's creeping into the Premier League, isn't it? Yeah, and to, to be honest, I don't think it was, as I said earlier, I don't think it was too similar either. I think there was definitely, mm. um, it, I think if, if it was pure pep, some people would be put off a little bit by it because I don't think we'd be quite good enough at it. But there's a little bit more directness, which I think needs to happen. But yeah, it's a hundred percent a post Guardiola kind of league, and Southgate admits you know they've got a very similar kind of uh, identity in terms of how he wants the team to play, and he wants them to play good possession football. Um, and you can see players now that are comfortable in that, uh, and it's it's only going to get better, I reckon. Genuinely, Sam Allardyce would be put off by it. He was saying in the week <laughs> that he hates this Guardiola esque football because it's, it's boring, gets bogged down boring, in midfield, boring football. I agree with that. Get the big man. What you'd give for that, Dave? You would give Kevin Nolan running onto the ball and putting it into the back Actually, simple football. Do you know what I said on Twitter the other day? It'd be nice to see a B team, wouldn't it? You remember B team yeah. football? Get Mark Noble, John Joe Shelby in midfield. Get a. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the world wants to see. That's Maybe not. Steve was saying <laughs> that it's down to the young players, this excitement that he's feeling. Do you share that, Dave? Because we've had young players coming through before at the England team but we it, always get overexcited about the it's young players isn't it? yeah it's, it's a change of, of coaching philosophy and that's where we, why we saw the success of the under 17s in you know, the 2017 World Cup that these England have changed how they coach yeah. they've changed the curriculum they've made the level one from being a single afternoon to five days they're spending more time with their coaches mm. you can see that now yeah like it's a good change it's like Germany the Germany team that was so dominant in the last decade was because they changed everything in the, in the DFB in the coaching thing they stripped it down they started again it feels like England have adopted a lot of good things from that they've built their own philosophy is and it's going well is this George's Park beginning to have an influence because that, that's been 
15 years or so. So, so I'd say that, that's obviously a big part of it, but having somewhere they can go and train and, and great facilities. But for me, it's all about the coaches. Like the yeah. number of UEFA A, UEFA B in Germany and Spain vastly outshone England. But mm. now we're starting to see more good English coaches coming through, you know, with the, the likes of someone like Akira McKenna at Manchester United, let's say, young coaches that are they're English that have, ha, you know, fantastic sort of uh, schooling. And now we're seeing the results of that with the players like Jaden Sancho. Um, with the players like Callum Hudson-Odoi they're, and Angel Gomez, let's say. They're the new English Then the likes player. of like Reese Nelson as well. Reese Nelson as well, yeah. Phone if he gets through. Even like, what, you look at the players now, I've got a list here in front of me and these are all 21 and under. So you've got Rashford, Sancho, Foden, Alexander-Arnold, Joe Gomez, Hudson-Odoi, Sassinion, Nelson, Wan-Bissaka. Arguably the best right back in the Premier League this season. He's not even had a you know look in the squad yet. And it's just a phenomenal list that goes on. Morgan gives White doing really well, a part of that under-70s team as well for England. Do we get a bit overexcited by youth sometimes? Though. I think it's just and we don't appreciate the players that we've got and the quality we've got because we're going oh they're going to be the next well, big thing I think they're, necess- they're the necessary energy and I think, they're, I think they're the necessary detachment as well from the past that we actually need because sometimes you need like a, a signaling of the new kind of thing you need someone to uh, herald a new change and it very much feels like this a uh, bunch of young players are that change and obviously we've got some talented players already there we all know that but even then most of them are pretty young still you know the likes of Sterling Harry Kane th- th- those two aren't very old John Stones isn't that old you know they're all mid-20s yeah. uh, it's, it's good it's good we'll talk about Raheem Sterling in a moment but I think I think I've worked out where my slight negativity towards England comes from and I think <laughs> it isn't the England team at all I think it's the format of the competition because we're looking at a European champions we've just beaten the best team in our qualifying group 5-0 the rest of the qualifying period is now a nonsense. It makes no sense. And it's because these tournaments have so many teams involved. Mm. There's so many at the World Cup, so many at the Euros, that the qualifiers don't make any sense, really, from a team liking, with all due respect to the opposition, a team of England's calibre. I, no I really agree qualifiers. with that. Watching Netherlands-Holland, which we'll probably chat about, Netherlands-Holland, <laughs> Netherlands-Germany, <laughs> sorry. Easy. Hell of a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a great game, uh, which we'll chat about a little bit later on with uh, one of the blue players. But in terms of how that was such an exciting game of football like a 3-2 last minute winner brilliant game of football the Nations as well more of that the Nations League that was just essentially because the way it was tiered and seeded and whatever mm. that was just good teams playing yeah. against good teams and that was fun you know it was yeah. a lot of fun now you look at the group now Bulgaria, Montenegro, Kosovo, Czech Republic uh, with all due respect to those teams that should be that should literally be you know a straight run of victories there and lots of goals because as you said they're the best team left in the group and then Bulgaria, Montenegro, Kosovo. It's just a bit silly, and that doesn't it? put you in the best state when you get to the finals of these competitions either, because your warm-up games haven't been against those top-flight opposition that suddenly you're against in the knockout stages or the group stages. Even mm, I really think they've got to, you know, they've got to rethink the qualifiers if if they want to make the tournaments bigger, because mm. it has to be more exciting. It has to be more competitive. It's just that's where club football really separates itself from the international level because you're not playing the best teams in the world every single time there's an international break. It says you it should all be that tonight uh, apparently Southgate's going to start Declan Rice and Hudson Adore. You know these are people yeah. who are nowhere near the England team a few months ago. And all of a sudden this is going to start just because they can. You know well, because there's no f- worry essentially. There's yeah. no fear. Callum Hudson Adore is going to make a full international uh, debut before he's it's made a nice. full Premier League debut for Chelsea. It's definitely nice. Don't get me wrong, but it obviously shows how little Southgate is worried about this game. Let's get on to the Manchester contingent that made an appearance in that game. Do you want to start on the Manchester United players that started in the eleven, or should we start on the Manchester City players that started in the eleven? <laughs> Somebody wants to talk about Raheem Sterling, so you know I can't really argue with that because I do like Raheem Sterling. He has a great. It's game. been coming for a long time that one day everything's going to click with him, and it's already clicking. And it clicked last season. It's been clicking and it's, for a while. You know now he's getting the. You know it's it's weird how he didn't get the press last season. 
Yeah, I, I, people weren't ready to like him, I guess, which is strange. <laughs> but you know, like whatever. There's that. We're loss. not ready yet. <laughs> yeah, but now now everyone does because they're all fickle word I can't say on air but essentially like um, it annoys me this kind of uh, how people essentially acting like this is some kind of redemption for him when, when he never <laughs> needed a redemption in the first but redemption from what from not being liked well I missed no all those reason. chances at the World Cup uh, well you've only carried Kane a pass there across it with being a final <laughs> but uh, we won't obviously touch the golden boy there but in general Sterling uh, showed what Manchester City fans know of him how he's a, an incredibly strong character mm. and I absolutely I was so happy for him and I think honestly like City fans feel so so close to Sterling because we feel like we've been there batting away all this abuse personally as well with him because we've been <laughs> defending for so long and we feel emotionally attached to him when he's had a player he's been and it, this isn't like underplaying it he got to the point where even Gary Neville felt he had to speak out and say Sterling once came up to him and said why does everyone hate me you know that so it, it was absolutely abused massively and now he's come through that and people have seen how good he is it feels kind of really cathartic to see that change in tide and conversation as a City fan I genuinely was watching when he scored that third goal I was so happy mm. it was like honestly like City just won a big game that's how good it felt as a City fan uh, and to be honest it was really nice as well seeing Twitter and the internet explode with positivity for him because he's a good person my mum met him once you know feel, though, and he was bit. lovely it does <laughs> feel a little bit the positivity <laughs> is almost slightly hypocritical particularly oh, yeah, massively. from the tabloid press who suddenly have gone from slating him for being too bling and spending money on houses or whatever it is to going, here's your future England captain. It's and it's nonsense, happened in like 60 days or something it's like that. It's what you call football, that, Jim. It's a ridiculous scenario. Well, remember, we've had a lot of conversation about our, our friend Lukaku as well on this show. Like <laughs> yeah. the polar opposite swing with the, you know, between him and the, the last few games he's played for Manchester United have been fantastic. Sterling is exactly the same. <laughs> well, but the, the weird thing with is. Sterling is he has been performing and... Yeah. It, you know, maybe not done it for England, but then we spoke about before how the competitiveness of nature of some of those games versus and the World Cup, you know, it's... He was never as bad as people made out either. In fact, some games he was all right. He just didn't, you know, I guess maybe because of his status and his, you know, in the squad compared to some people, people expected a bit more from... I don't think he was bad but as people said. I'd but also say that tactically Southgate used him in the in wrong, wrong, position. wrong yeah. position sometimes where when England were playing narrow teams, they should have played Sterling out wide. You know, that's, that's, deadly is left wing, right wing, isn't it mad as well? That's what he did the other day. Sancho out wide, Sterling out wide. It's all in through the middle. It's intelligent movement. It worked. But Simple the expectations on Sterling were because he was being expected to score goals. And he was missing chances. He maybe didn't have quite the finishing you'd expect. But at the same time, I well, always think he was getting into those positions well, and he was creating these Imagine, chances. right? Imagine you've got like 67,000, 70,000 people just booing you. Oh, Essentially, I'd every single time. I'd be, I'd be <laughs> absolutely nothing. I'm, I'm still, I'm nothing. I'd be even worse in that situation. And it, I reckon, I'm, I'd just Zoom here, he probably didn't really like playing for England very often because mm. I've been to uh, loads of City games where opposition fans just turn up and they start booing him, him and alone out the City team. It's just strange when you've got, I don't know, like uh, Wolves fans or Burnley fans, or whatever, mm. just booing Sterling for no other reason. Make your own conclusions about that. But in general, why would he be then like optimistic about playing for his country? It's almost like if you get it's behind someone and be nice to them, maybe they'll do all right, you know? Now he's had to do this in spite of the public perception of him, not because of it so he's forced this himself uh, and he can only speak uh, he can only speak volumes about his character as a person and an individual because he's a good bloke and he's a good player I think it, it marries the fact that you've got this kind of happy-go-lucky squad 
that fits in with it's Brian nice, actually, yeah. it's, it's like a nice feel to it you've got players in there that seem like they get on yeah you think about like a couple of generations ago and there was allegedly a lot of like, egos and you think of the likes Split of camp. yeah you think of the likes of Ashley Cole and mm. even Ferdinand and Terry and that lot they're all quite cocky people let's be honest and then Beckham obviously was a bit of a glamour boy then even Owen had a bit of a thing about him Rooney and that lot this one just seems really unassuming as a group and that's nice um, I think it's because mainly to be honest apart from a couple of them most of these aren't the big stars in their team I think that's been of a point maybe Kane is but in general a lot of these aren't the figureheads of their team you know there's these people bigger profile than Sterling in, in Man City squad so most of these aren't they're just a collective bunch of good players but largely they're not the stars that maybe you know Ferdinand was or Rooney or Beckham or like that Gerard Lampard yeah exactly they're all lower profile if you listen to Ant, who does our Sunday show with Alex Boardman, he is convinced that a lot of City's success comes from this team ethos and this kind of happy does, atmosphere does. that exists no, in the No, no way. You, you, you mean that when they're a team and they're unified that they go on to dominate? Shocking, isn't it? Wow. Shocking, isn't it? I don't it? believe it. Scrap the, stats, scrap the tactics. <laughs> it's all about being a team. No, I agree with that. I think being a team is massively important in football and underrated. Raheem Sterling has now scored, by the way, more hat-tricks in the last 14 days than Eden Hazard is in the last five years, which is a nice stat in itself. But does that mean that Raheem Sterling is now uh, shooing for the Player of the Year award? There's been a lot of talk about it being either Sterling or Van Dyke, and it's, apparently it was decided this weekend because Sterling scored a hat-trick and Van Dyke made a mistake in the Netherlands game. That mistake that's floating around Twitter is so hard. Even, yeah, as a City fan. Like, it's just... cuts in from the left wing and scores an absolute pinger. One mistake, you done. The, the only thing... He didn't get a touch tight to him when he gets into the yeah. penalty area, but... It is a bad defender. No, I not seen the goal. That. It's kind of a little bit harsh yeah, to say that's 20 yards to the corner. But in terms of back to the point, though, like, I guess these, these things are really fickle, aren't they? They're about, in general, the current mood and all that kind of stuff. And Sterling probably did need a big moment in front of the public, in front of his fellow pros just sat and watching on TV or on playing, that kind of stuff. Is it a big moment? Well, we'll look at the Qualified back pages. The, the I'm not saying it historically is, but I'm saying in terms of media coverage, definitely it was. I'm, like, I'm and that's more on, on the fact that why are we deciding player of the season before the season's finished? Because <laughs> for me, player of the year plays for whoever wins the title and is the most important player there. I would, I would go or, with that too. Or you have like a player that when goes on to an insane next, goal scoring well, thing. Next week, I think why is it next week? I guess there couldn't be a better time for him so to score then. go off yeah. on their summers. It's just... Yeah, Some it's, holidays it's, on it's, it takes five minutes to text them in. It's like, you know, just... Just, just give him some football him. version of, of Tinder. Let him swipe on who they want or whatever. But, the other you know. player who was quite impressive in that game was, of course, Jordan Sancho, who looked Jaden Sancho, <laughs> who looked very promising. And he's been doing it for Dortmund all season. So anyone who's seen him play for Dortmund, as I'm sure you have, Dave, many times, no, not me, mate. World view on football, <laughs> but it looked very impressive. And it seems, according to United fans, he's pretty much already signed <laughs> for Old Trafford next season. No, he's a forty percent. Extra clause that yeah, City well, put in. If that's the even real, we've got, though. Uh, I think the uh, Borussia Dortmund sporting director came up today and said he's definitely staying at Dortmund next season. But you never know with these things. Football's a very quick moving thing. If United have enough money, one to sign someone like a Sancho, you can see why he'd want to move back to Manchester, why he'd want to prove Manchester City and Pep Guardiola wrong for letting him go. You can see that. Didn't let him go, by the way. He wanted to go. Just putting it out there. Uh, you know, I'll keep my propaganda burning through this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, you know, it's one of these things where you can see he's pals with Rashford, he's, he's mates with Jesse Lingard, Angel Gomez. 
Yeah. Chong's going to be joining. Chong, sorry. Um, Callum Hudson Adoy is going to be joining United in the summer as well. So it's a complete <laughs> fabrication that. Uh, it would be great, though. It's good have... enough for the new style, probably. You know, oh, so. you know what I mean? It'd be absolutely fantastic to have both those two young English players. But Sancho seems like the one that can do it, carries the ball well. I think in this England side as well, it balances it out well because you think you've got Sterling that's more of a goal scorer on the left wing and you've got someone that will come to the ball and carry it and drive the team forward. So it's got. It feels like it's got starting to build like this decent type of football They're inside. A very natural balance those two out wide. Sancho, the one thing that Sancho has uh, that this puts him above most youngsters, he's just insane ball retention. Like his feet are genuinely phenomenal. Like I've watched loads of Sancho because uh, I was a big follow the under 18s team that uh, he broke into at the age of 15. Um, and I was gutted, genuinely gutted that this happened for whatever reason. Um, Pep did want him to stay, 100% want him to stay essentially though, after nine years of City's Academy, youth being pretty bad, he decided he'd get better first team football somewhere. Whether that was right or not, I mean, I guess he proved he did. City wanted him and I'm almost certain if he stayed around he would have got some game time eventually mm. but it happened essentially and he is the one that got the way. Um, he's going to be very, very good. He's a phenomenal footballer, loads of talent and I think we're only just starting to see what he could be capable of really. Look very intelligent if that makes sense. Oh yeah, he unbelievable. Seems, he seems to be making the right calls when he's moving the ball and when to take players on. That seemed like a... His technique's just phenomenal. So I think the thing that really struck me when I first started watching Jadon Sancho was how that he's almost unselfish and sometimes he preferred to play a pass than have a shot. And I think mm. that's very rare at the top of the European game at the moment to have a wide player that would rather be an assister like a Mesut Ozil versus a Messi or Ronaldo who wants to score. Yes. But he can he obviously can put the ball back yeah, in yeah. as well. But it's a, I thought that bit was fascinating about his players that he's... He's a heads-up footballer. Whereas when the under-18s, he actually wasn't. That was the thing. He, he was so confident in his own ability because he was so much better than everyone else around him. He essentially did it all himself and mm. I don't blame him. But it's interesting that he has made that step to be a selfless team mm. player. It shows, obviously, he understands the game and when he can be and when he can't be. He's obviously yeah. thought, these are a lot better than the under-18s league, uh, so I'm going to start passing a bit more. And he, his weight of pass as well is really good. Uh, a phenomenal player. And he really is, in that England team, he's the tip of the iceberg. Uh, like. I think one of the best things that he's done is moving to Dortmund is, is to be paired with someone like a Marco Royce in an attacking sense. Marco Royce plays in number 10, Sancho plays on the right, so they have that connection between a wide wing player and a player of Marcus Royce stature that likes to play quick, he likes to play quick football. So I think that's also helped Sancho, they speak about the friendship off the field as well. And You think Mario yeah. Goetz broke onto the scene with a Marco Royce next to him. You saw him explode, and it seems like Marco Royce seems to be a really good sort of figurehead yeah. and inspiration to maybe younger players around him and you know he's probably going to be staying at Borussia Dortmund for the rest of his time but the longer that Sancho can spend with someone like a Marco Royce who's a you know world class player on his day obviously injuries have taken a lot out of his career but Sancho can pick up a lot from that we're going to talk a little bit later about other transfer targets as well as Sancho and Steve and Dave are both going to get £150 million to spend in a fantasy <laughs> transfer window and pick who they'd like to sign for but City and United. Keep listening because you need to find out whether City will be able to spend that money for Jim. <laughs> We're going to buy you a fair. <laughs> for the £150 million. <laughs> if you want to make your suggestions for a transfer target as well. But I also want your suggestions as to which piece of footballing memorabilia you'd buy because Alex Ferguson's chewing gum sold this week for four hundred. <laughs> thousand pounds the final bit of gum <laughs> out of his mouth at Old Trafford ridiculous can buy what's pack of juicy fruit cost you nowadays 40p oh, juicy yeah, fruit you, could, you could certainly make that one up and sort of pretend it had been chewed by Fergie couldn't you not that I'm <laughs> suggesting that's what's happened at all so I want to know what you'd have if you could have any piece of footballing memorabilia Steve and Dave will get those in a minute so what I want you to do boys I'm going to suggest some of these yes. that have come in some of these footballing memorabilia items and okay. I want you to put a value on it okay so yep. we can decide whether it's more expensive or less expensive than Fergie's chewing gum. Okay, so Chop on Twitter has suggested Bobby Charlton's comb-over. 
Just one strand of it. <laughs> is, is oh, he... that's definitely more. So I'd say it's more yeah, as well. It's, it's hair, isn't it? It's, it's a real thing. Okay. You could clone him. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. You could clone him. Yeah. yeah. That's what they were saying today, wasn't it? That the, um, there's a scientist in Spain that reckons he can clone, clone. Lionel Messi yep. from his DNA. Game on the phone. This go. is where football gets into a murky area. Yeah, I think this life doesn't Is it Messi or is it clone? I've seen Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, uh, you know, dinosaurs as well. Well, at on the, the end of that, pitch. I won't ruin it, but... Tom Skade, as well, has uh, been in touch on Twitter, says that if he was going to have a piece of footballing memorabilia, he'd go for Lionel Messi's bank balance, which seems to be cheating the rules um, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> the nice. Like, Outside the box thing. I'm going like to go, that's higher than the 400k. Yeah, I think you're right there. Um, and Gaz Bevan says, Aguero's right boot from that oh, game. Oh, keep wow. giving it the ultimate no, item. To me, it's the shirt that he swirled around his head. That one, that would be... That would be absolutely loads. Yeah. I think City would buy that off him himself. Keep him coming, 87711, or you can get us on Twitter, at MCR Footy Social. We'll talk about that in a minute. Plus, we're going to talk about this list that Dave wanted to mention of the best overseas players of all time, as compiled by public vote. Some very big absences on there, and we'll talk about that next on the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social. It's your place to talk about your football team. Get involved. 0345 7625. You can come and chat to me, Steve McInerney, who's Hello. over there. Dave Statman Dave. Dave Statman Dave. <laughs> really struggling Dave. with your name tonight. Just Statman Dave. Dave. Dave's over just there. Dave the it, just Dave. Just Dave. Just <laughs> Dave. All right, we're just going to Dave it. Uh, if you're listening live on Excess Manchester, stick around. I'm hanging around at seven o'clock to play a load of big tunes, mank tunes, and new tunes with the Excess Manchester evening show. But you've still got about half an hour of football chat left, and we're going to talk about the greatest overseas player of all time. There's been a BBC poll this week, along with a few other polls that we've seen online as well, suggesting who might be the best ever overseas player to play in the Premier League. And the results were interesting and somewhat controversial. So, according to this poll, greatest ever Premier League player is Terry Henry. Terry Henry. Terry Henry, who got 45% of the overall votes when people were voting for this. Discuss, gentlemen. Well, Arsenal fans are unbelievable in a poll. They They really get to the poll quickly. (laughs) They smash the votes. What, a quarter of a million people... 45% 45% of them were Arsenal fans. But they done well. Thierry Henry, a very good player. Uh, yeah, very it's hard to argue, argue against Henry, yeah. He surely is one of the greatest Premier League players And his longevity, like... Yeah, I, I think hard. if Ronaldo stays at United his whole career, yeah, he'll be but, Ronaldo. But I think as incredible as Ronaldo was, he just wasn't there long enough, I think, to have a strong enough argument to be ahead of... Um, Henri, and Henri's just a phenomenal freaking nature, isn't he? So I think that's fair enough, given everything. The rest of the list, to me, is a bit kind of more interesting. Like, um, I'm not sure about Drogba, personally. I think even as a City fan, I would rather have, like, um, Van Nistelrooy there, or I'd rather have Zola for his impact on the Premier League. And- Let me give you the list in full, so you've oh. got it. So, Henri at the top of it, Ronaldo in second, Cantona in third, Sergio Aguero fourth in that list, Didier Drogba is in fifth, Peter Schmeichel, David Silva... Emmanuel Vidic, Vieira and company as well have been there. So there's there's some big names in there. But as yeah. you say, there's some very obvious omissions at the same time. And you would say that a player like Didier Drogba, for you, Dave, does he deserve to be in that mix? You see, if you look at his scoring record, 
overseas and it's not actually that good but we remember Drogba because of his big, big moments, moments yeah. and I think that's where we, we go back and we you know if we analyse Didier Drogba was he a 20 goal a season striker in fact he wasn't but what he did was he scored in the Champions League final he had big moments in big games there was you know his, his goal scoring in finals or semi-finals remember times where he was beating Everton on his own for Chelsea and doing this and doing that but if we objectively looked at it objectively looked at what he's done you know, there's players that are put ahead. Like Dennis Burkamp. Like, why is Burkamp not on that list? He revolutionised parts of the English game, genuinely. Mm. Going for African players as well. Yaya Torre, in my opinion. Just putting it out there. Had a, you know, better player uh, overall. Um, then it maybe as a midfielder, I would, I think Makaleli probably has a shout to be on there as well, potentially. Yeah, again, like, get, he revolutionised the position, but maybe not there for the longevity. Yeah, and the interesting maybe. side is there were 13 foreign players when the Premier League came into existence in 1993 and they picked a list of 13 players for the shortlist. So there were players that they had okay. to rule out and so forth. Like we're sort of saying, the Ruy van Nistelrooy's of the world, uh, you know, many other players as well that have been there. The, you could sort of think, They've really done the Premier League some some good justice, but they won't get in because they didn't make the shortlist. It's incredible to think that there was a time where there were 13 overseas players <laughs> it's crazy. playing that across is, 20 Premier League teams. It's about 17, 18 in the City squad. That, that's just insane. It's incredible. Isn't it? So when you look at that full list, and we're talking about, out of, out of a list of 10 that I've got in front of me, very well represented Manchester. You've got six yep. Manchester names in that 10. So it's doing all right for itself. But who for you, if you were just going to pick the greatest overseas player within Manchester within City and United's team <laughs> who would that it's, be? Uh, you can't even debate this it's Cristiano Ronaldo simple no no that's the wrong answer unfortunately well Steve's going to debate it <laughs> uh, Ronaldo wasn't in Manchester United anywhere near long enough to warrant that in terms of the history he won the Ballon d'Or at United he won the you, Champions League Michael Owen won the Ballon d'Or you wouldn't say he's like one of the top 10 Premier League players ever yeah, you put, uh, that, that year when he won the Ballon d'Or he was phenomenal yes but that year we forget because it was the Michael Owen of yesteryear that you played don't... for Real Madrid and flopped Newcastle and flopped and I agree but scored a goal season, in the winner in the derby 4-3 but apart from that Michael Owen didn't do a lot <laughs> post that, that time I still think Ronaldo uh, he, was, he, he became who he was at Real Madrid uh, essentially no, I think I, that's the problem he was on the way there but he did okay, his, legacy, goals in the Premier his legacy is at Real Madrid not Manchester United is, that's uh, true that's true you, you're, both making, you're both making the same <laughs> argument here but in different ways Dave's going you've got to remember what Michael <laughs> Owen did and you're remembering the bad things but at the same time you're saying you're kind of looking at Ronaldo from this reflected glory. So you're going, he was great at United, no, but, you, you, but you're looking at the player he's become since. No, but that's that, that, this is where it falls down. Ronaldo scored so many goals for Manchester United. He won so many games on his 118 own. 118 in 292, which is it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, but, but to me, got, but, but, Aguero's had a bigger influence on the Premier League. David Silva has. Absolutely not. That, yeah, that is crazy me. talk. Yeah, I think Ronaldo in his last three seasons at United, 30, uh, 17 goals, 31 goals, 18 goals. Like, yeah, that's not that and impressive. And then you, the, the contribution in the Champions League, eight uh, goals in eleven games. Are we talking games. about the Premier League or the Champions League? But you still have to reflect that because if he's <laughs> if he's if he's that good in the Champions League, it means he's a colour above the players that you mentioned before. Like Aguero, has he done it in Europe? No. Yeah, but he wasn't the only one. But, but how many times has he played full Premier League seasons? It gets injured left, right, and centre. Ronaldo played through an injury in his last season at Manchester United. <laughs> Playing through injury carries him to make a Champions League player. final. Means I'm tougher, more robust. <laughs> tougher. Well, he's a tough. I'll give you that definitely. But for me, in terms of grace and elegance, in terms of, I think David Silva uh, is the most graceful playmaker the Premier League's ever seen. Um, and Paul's I think goals, come on, man! Don't Paul's goals was nowhere near as graceful as David Silva. What do you mean? I just, oh, that's exactly what I mean. Paul Scholes is fantastic, but David Silva, I would have him every single day of the week. Put me in a bin, mate. Let me say something slightly controversial. Oh, here we go. Eric Cantona's on this list at number three. That's not true. Is Eric Cantona that great in the? in that, no, that no, kind no, no, of no, no, no. the echelons the greatest foreign players Burkamp's or has his him. personality 
and his status forced him up that Cantona list. was more than just a player for Manchester United. <sighs> Collectively pulled the players together, went on to win Premier League after Premier League. Cantona put the building blocks there for Manchester United. Big, big game player, big moments. There's nothing more you can say, really. He's got to be there. Cantona, uh, nowhere, nowhere near as iconic as people think he was in terms of like inf- influence on the game. Like, uh, fantastic. So player. Cantona basically tactically moved the Premier League on. I know he by did, playing didn't. off the striker. Then Dennis Bergkamp came in and did the same. Bergkamp thing. was it much was, better. It was Cantona first. Zola was doing it as well. But Cantona set the set the standard. Cantona, Cantona, I think Cantona came in. Cantona, what you were saying about Drogba in terms of big moments and whatever. Cantona was very much that as well. Cantona, I I, I just remember. But he carried United to the pre- like he was the talisman of the team. He carried United to these titles. He's always a talisman of the team. Doesn't mean therefore they means they should be in the top ten list of the best overseas players ever. You see, I'm like, I think say, yeah, footballers he is number two. That's crazy talk. To be uh, fair, Cantona probably deserves to be there, just for the advert where he pops his collar and goes au revoir. There you go. Brilliant Nike advert from the <laughs> mid-90s. Absolutely fantastic. Right, the final bit of debating I want to do on this list is two players who were incredibly close in terms of the amount of votes they got and both vied for that spot of the highest rated defender. So the best overseas defender. Both came from Manchester. One was Vincent Company, and the <laughs> other was Emmanuel Vidic. Company just pipping it, Vidic it's in the polls to be... Is that fair? Is Vinnie Company the greatest overseas defender nope. to have played in the Premier League? <laughs> Absolutely. Jim, I don't know why you're bringing this thing to me right now, mate. Come on. I've had, a, I've had a tough weekend and now you're throwing these accusations that Vincent Company won the Premier League Player of the Season more than the Man United, Vidic, because he didn't. Uh, well, if you're using your argument about iconic and importance, Vincent Company is twice the man of Vidic in terms of what he's brought to the game in terms of class. Player of the elegance. season in 2008-2009. Player <laughs> of the season in 2010-11. Let's not forget that Vincent Company sure. has done a few things for City. <laughs> it's nowhere near Vidic. I actually, I, I think Vidic is phenomenal, so I struggle to argue against him. Vincent Company and Vidic, to me, alongside each other, no one's getting through that. And that's as diplomatic as I will be on this situation. Um, <laughs> but I think Company, yeah, he's fantastic. I think individually uh, I think he's as good a footballer I definitely think that but in terms of I've got to admit he's got slightly dodgy knees and Vidic <laughs> slightly, did, dodgy slightly dodgy he's <laughs> underplaying it um, and Vidic did have you know he, well, he did win individual awards for me though the public has spoken and you know the public they're the public so there we <laughs> two, go Vidic Company one. in Premier League Player of the Season awards Vidic 2 Vincent Company 1 but doesn't it come under that what you're saying a minute ago, where Vinny Company is more than a football player for Manchester no, City, in the same way that Eric Cantona is he, more than a player? He for is the club. He is. Uh, Vincent Company uh, leads everything by uh, he controls. Basically, he's the guy that everyone goes to in that team, and he set up and kind of overseen a period uh, of Manchester City becoming what they are today. And people don't really appreciate that enough. And more than that, you'll probably end up running FIFA or UEFA in mm. ten years' time because he's that kind of person. Uh, and the Premier League is better for him being in it, not just uh, in terms of football quality, but as a person and what he brings to the game. There should be more footballers like Vincent Company. As you say, public vote, it's been decided. There we go. Can't argue it, it's the will of the people. It's no going back on that kind of thing. <laughs> Arsenal fans, <laughs> seriously, they've got something in for the Man United, haven't they? We're going to talk about the future of Manchester City and Manchester United in a minute because we're going to talk about the transfer rumours and transfer targets that could be happening this summer. Dave and Steve both have £150 million to spend for oh, their clubs. And we're enough. And we're going to see who they're going to pick. If you want to make your suggestions, 87711 on the text. I also want your suggestions as to what piece of memorabilia you'd buy if you were going to buy any piece of footballing memorabilia after Alex Ferguson's chewing gum stole for <laughs> £400,000 this week. Awesome.
little message here from Warrior Chick on Twitter who says, my son had a handful of dried up grass that he nicked from Liverpool's football club pitch <laughs> whilst on a tour with his school. And he's now that. 21 and he's still got it in a drawer in his bedroom, folded up in a little leaflet. I remember doing that at May Road when I was about like about nine. I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> Even then at that age, I was like, I can't keep this grass forever. And uh, I threw it away. Adam Keyworth from Blue Moon Rising has been in touch as well. He says he'd have Roberto Mancini's fruit pastels that he was trying so hard to keep in his pocket whilst selling Celebrating Aguero's winner in 2012. Jim, it's all about the Why Always Me t-shirt. Iconic. Oh, that is the one t-shirt. for me. I would wear that every single day if I own that. And I don't but care about the same time. Do you not think it's a bit funny that he was going to reveal a Marcus Rashford shirt versus PSG? Is the brilliance of uh, Mario Baratelli. Yeah, but he's <laughs> supposed to be a. You played for City. You'd think that he'd have more respect than showing one of your greatest rivals on his shirt against PSG. With all due respect, Rashford isn't one of our greatest rivals. Uh, in general, like um, to me. So you don't know this story, by the way, because this is a good story. Let's just touch on this. Essentially, Mario yeah. Was- he's playing against Paris Saint-Germain, obviously, and he, um, he was going. If he was going to score against him, he was going to reveal his shirt to show Rashford, obviously, who knocked out Paris Saint-Germain. I love that. And to be honest, for a professional troll, nothing should be sacrilegious. And it wasn't there. And I got to admire his balls to actually go through with that. Well, it didn't happen, unfortunately, but no, it should have. score. No, nothing's going to tempt fate not get score than wearing a special t-shirt underneath. But it? that t-shirt, though, once again, oh, mem- that t-shirt and that infamous kind of like five-finger chicken hat thing he wore. Remember that one? Yeah, the woolly one. Didn't so. they sell them in the club shop at City for a while? After <laughs> Probably that? not very many, but they tried to sell them. Right, if you want to get involved in any of the debate, eight double seven double one. Give us a call oh three four five treble one seventy six twenty five, and we'll talk to you next on the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. Hello, welcome back to the Manchester Football Social. My name is Stephen McInerney. I'm here with Statman Dave and Jim Salverson. And we're going to be talking soon about uh, these dream transfer window budgets. We've given ourselves £150 million to spend. I want to know who you're going to buy. If you're a United fan or you're a City fan, let us know on the text 87711. You can ring in as well on 0345 7625. But before we go to that, we've got a pretty special story. Now, if you've been following the progress uh, of Follow FC via the show over the past few weeks, uh, and you've you'll know that in general their first game's been coming up now Follow FC it stands for our lost little ones and it's a team of dads that have been brought together because they all lost children and basically this is a great for them for them to deal with their loss now the team's been training they've been bonding for the past few weeks and this weekend they kicked their first ball in action I've got Gary on the phone you alright mate? Certainly I'm mate how are you? I'm very good thank you what I say this is a beautiful thing and uh, congratulations on your first game thank you very much thank you how did you get on then? Uh, well we lost 6-3. Um, great game, really good game, end-to-end, to be quite honest. Um, I think it, I think they just had youth on their side. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, lost four, we was, we was losing 4-0 by half-time, um, so, you know, heads had gone down slightly, sort of thing, you know, it uh, was what it was, but we was all there for the fun. But the lads came out second half, and obviously, you know, won the second half, 3-2. Obviously, it wasn't about the result itself, Gary. There was far more important things going on on that day. What was the actual day like itself? What was the? You said it was a good atmosphere. Were there many people down there watching? Oh yeah, there must have been. You know, just roughly about three hundred to watch. Yeah, it was fantastic. The support from the local community, you know, it was just, it's just amazing. Family, friends, and and 
you know, obviously we put it out on, on social media and things like that and hyped it up a little bit and it worked. It was it was a fantastic day, it really were. Plenty of money made for both for both teams. Uh, you know, it goes into our kitty. Um, and it's just it was it was just an amazing day. Like you say, the result didn't really matter on you know, it, it was just about us all getting together. And and, and the other set of lads, what a fantastic bunch they are, Infinity. You know, great team. Just it was just an amazing day. We're all still quite quite up there in the clouds with it, really. We're, you know, it's our group that we have on WhatsApp and on Facebook has been going absolutely crazy. All the lads are just over the moon. Um, you know, three of three of the lads who scored was just made up. Um, Carl, Danny, and Keith. Absolutely loved it. They did, you know, they were running over, getting the girlfriends and kissing them. And, <laughs> oh, it was honest to God, it was absolutely amazing. You, it, it was just the atmosphere was fantastic, very emotional. I must admit, it was very emotional. We uh, we did a minute silence, for, you know, obviously for our for our lost little ones, um, a few tears shed, but it, it was just it was just so. Warming, you know, it was just a lovely, warm feeling, and the support, like I say, from the other team as well to um, to accommodate that for us and to participate in the minute silence. It, it was quite humbling, really, and um, you could have had a, a pin drop. You know, it was it was perfect. It was just a perfect day for yeah. such a, for, you know, for such a tragic in, under mm. under tragic circumstances for each and every one of us. But what an absolute fantastic day, and we smiled. That's the main thing. One of the things you said in your Twitter account recently on the Follow FC Twitter was that you were more than a team, you were a family. And I came down and had a kickabout with you boys a couple of weeks ago, and you 100% feel that when you're down there. All these lads have kind of bonded together, and it's it's really nice that you can feel these friendships have kind of forged in a relatively small space of time, which is a really awesome thing. So what happens next? When's your next game? Well... We're going to try and arrange. It's just another friendly for now. You know, we've not quite found our feet to enter into any um, league as such just yet. So we're going to stick with the friendlies and try and generate a little bit more publicity. You know, and and get and get our, ourselves out there a bit. So what we're trying to plan really is um, on the 14th of April. It's it would it would have been Sam's 16th birthday, my boy's birthday. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to try and arrange. Well, it's pretty much going ahead, to be quite honest. Uh, we're going to play a game at our training session against Hattersley, which is the team that Sam played for. Mm. So they're all youngsters, you know, so it's going to be a little bit like the old uh, Harry's Heroes, if you all watched it. We <laughs> <laughs> get turfed by a lot of kids. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a little bit of a, like a bit of a birthday gift for Sam, if you like. You know, looking down on us all, uh, it's going to be great for them lads, and it'll be great for us as well. And to be honest, it'll be a, it'll be a great practice for us. Um, we need it. We certainly need it. Age versus experience. It's not always, it's, it's yeah. not always the youngsters that come out on top, guys. Good luck for that. It's the yeah. 14th of April. If you want to find out more about Follow FC, follow underscore FC on Twitter. And of course, you can carry on listening to the Football Social, and we'll f- be following the journey as it goes on as well. And hopefully, we'll yeah. be taking you on a little friendly game as well. We've all been a uh, Picking our positions over the last couple of weeks, oh, yeah, so really. we'll be sorting oh, that out yeah. at some point. <laughs> Gary, Jim, nice to speak to you, mate. Jim's Take care. Good. Jim, great.
great striker as well. That finisher training, unbelievable. <laughs> saved unbelievable. up for that one occasion. <laughs> Cheers, Gary. Nice to speak to you, mate. Okay, mate. Take care. Bye-bye. Go and follow him at Follow FC. Very worthy cause and an awesome bunch of lads as well. Right, we're going to wrap up today's show talking about transfers because there are a load of rumours going round at the moment and as there always are because rumours mean delicious clicks on websites so there's always a load of them going around but if you had 150 million pound to spend this summer which is very realistic for both clubs i think i did set this as 100 million instantly then i realized that that doesn't buy you much anymore <laughs> yeah, exactly. so 150 million quid for city and united who are you going to buy Steve and Dave, you've had some time to think. Let's start with you, Steve. Who do you have in at City for £150 million? Um, I've tried to be rational and also a little bit generous for some of the transfer fees, to be honest. <laughs> I'm hoping for initially, uh, I think there's a lot of rumours of City going for a left-back because we don't trust uh, Mendy's legs anymore and we mm. don't uh, trust Fabian Delft's form, which leaves essentially a midfielder who's now a decent left-back in Zinchenko. So I presume we'll go in for the summer. I'm going to go for someone like... I know he's a bit injury prone, but I know for someone like Ronaldo, because I think he might be quite cheap for 25 million, hopefully. I'm going to say 25. After that, we really need a midfielder, and I really like uh, Tangai under Bailey from Lyon, just because I think he's class every time he's played City. Uh, box to box power from midfielder, I'm putting around 55, 60 million for him. Uh, and after this is a bit of a dream, maybe, if we're going for a centre back because Otto Mendy's getting a bit older and company's knees have gone, maybe Delict. Um, How many I, I, defenders do you want to buy in the last three or four seasons? A lot, apparently. So <laughs> I'm taking them. Hypotheticals, Dave. Uh, and I'm going for that because we haven't bought a centre back. Well, we have actually. Never mind. I'll tell you, we, have bought, we needed some new centre backs essentially, eventually. Uh, but that's what I'm going for a left back, a midfielder, and a centre back. I nearly said uh, Luka Jovic, uh, maybe, as a striker. Signed for Barca, apparently. Yeah, that's, that's right. As well, but there's been a lot of chat recently on Twitter about Jesus and whether he is the right second option up front for City. Don't think that's an area that you need to strengthen, or is there a bit I don't more think time to tell? There's a single young striker in the world who could play as little as he does as a second choice and still do that much better. I think in general it's a second striker syndrome. Like when you have to essentially settle into roles as a backup striker, it's very hard to consistency. And he played recently, got a run of games and scored a load of goals and lost that sharpness again now because mm. he's been on the bench behind Aguero and Aguero is quite an all-consuming character. I can imagine it's hard to be um, second nature, second best to him, essentially. Um, we Maybe we'll need a striker soon, eventually. I don't think uh, Jesus is anywhere near as bad as people make okay. out. I think he gets a lot of stick, which is a bit unharsh, given given his circumstance, because he is just second choice regardless, and he knows that. It's hard to get that form. But right. Let's get Dave in on this one, because we're running out of time rapidly. So you got 115 million quid, Dave. How are you going to sort out United's Probably woes? just buy Jadon Sancho, right? <laughs> Probably <laughs> these days, yeah. 150 million done. Sorry, Jim, you didn't give me enough budget for anyone else. <laughs> Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah, well, that's kind of the deal done, right? Is he going to cost 150 million? I don't know. Million it, costs, it costs quite a lot of money. I, I reckon about 90 to 100. Honestly. The current transfer market now it's it's blowing up. We've we've seen Coutinho, How much is Dembele? Dembele. Dembele was 98 million. Yeah, and that was a very not not a too dissimilar circumstance, really. Yeah. So, you know, he's probably right. Yeah, and then, you know, someone like a cooler Bali obviously be good, but then you spend in another. 70 million. So okay, so yeah. if it wasn't Sancho then, if you had like, you have to get like a, I say two or three other than Sancho, who would you go for then? Joe Felix. Oh, he's good, isn't he? He's a good player. He's it phenomenal. was a player that I was, I was watching United under 19s versus Benfica under 19s, as you do, last season. <laughs> and he was the player that I saw warming up and he warmed up differently to the rest of the players. And I was like, this guy is going to be a player <laughs> because he was doing this, he was doing like some set thing where he was do like three steppers and cutting and shoot. But he just looks so switched on. Mm. And it's just one of those players where you, you, you thought was going to be good. They were good. 
and like now a few seasons later now he's he's in the Benfica first team now playing up front with, with Jonas this is just a player that's I got I didn't know how good he was I, did, I only looked into the weekend and he's really good isn't he he reminds really me exciting. a lot of Kaká the interesting side with that is yeah. how he's kind of got that sort of lazy style when he carries the ball but will beat you a little bit like Julian Drax when he broke onto mm. the scene obviously Julian Drax and Kaká very different players one wins the Ballon d'Or the other one floats around for a bit and now plays for PSG obviously not a bad position but that's the style that he is he's kind of like that cool dribbler you know, good off both feet. And it's a player I like, and if United were to get someone that was a little bit less than Joe, uh, then, sorry, than Jaden Sancho, Joe Felix could be an option, but he's going to be expensive as well. Like, Benfica don't need to sell anyone. They've sold Bernardo Silva in the last few summers, obviously moving around. They've they've sold, uh, you know, the likes of Guardes for loads of money, so... Got to sell, sell Grimaldo to City, according to my list. Yeah, apparently. Very quickly, there are three names that are being linked with Manchester United in the papers today, and they are all defenders. Uh, the Danish defender, Joshim Anderson... Joachim Anderson, yeah. Harry Maguire at Leicester, who's been linked for long term yeah. for Manchester United, and Ben Godfrey at Norwich, all being linked, which suggests, I mean, it's one of those, is it real, is it fake, is it agents playing a game? <laughs> but they're all defenders, and that is an area that United probably need to strengthen in. Yeah, I think it's just people making up stuff in the international break. You saw Real Madrid today <laughs> literally were linked with everyone. In the, it was basically like the Spanish press were like, right lads, hold out to the, the, the Monday, second Monday in the international break. Let's unload everything. Mbappe, Kante, Pogba, all going to Real Madrid, Get it right? all out there. Right, that is it from the Manchester Football Social. Dave, thank you very much. Cheers, buddy. Steve, thank you very much. Thank you. And tomorrow it's the turn of Man City with the Man City Football Social. That's from 6 I'll next is Manchester. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Steve. I haven't turned your microphone on. Thank, Thank you, Steve. You, there <laughs> we go. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> I see how it is. Do you know what? I thought you were very quiet in the intro that I recorded earlier at <laughs> the beginning of the show. Was like, I didn't turn your microphones on. I couldn't hear you. Could have been well chatty. So that's uh, the show done for another day. Is there anything that you want to cover off? Because, I mean, in all honesty, it's difficult during the international break to find stuff to talk about. I think we did very well during that show. Is there anything boxed off that you think we didn't cover that maybe we should have? There were some suggestions, I guess, from other people about the whole free transfers thing. Some City fans uh, were replying to me. Uh, some people were saying they'd love to see uh, Sol Niguez from Atletico or Wambisaka instead of Walker. Essentially, some more fullbacks, and a lot of people wanting Jovic. Um, so well, Ben Chilwell was mentioned quite a lot mm. from by from Pep's Sky Blue Army. There, uh, Chilwell would be a decent player. I'm not really sold on Chilwell. For some no, reason. I mean either. Chilwell's some players just aren't exciting. He's not great. Like he's yeah, good, he's, but he's not amazing. I feel like he's very much the new Ryan Bertrand. You know, like yeah. one of those good players who's solid and whatever. I don't have this view on world football that you two have. I don't kind of a lot of the players in the other leagues I've not heard of <laughs> when I see him rumored in the paper, but I do see Wan-Bissaka talks about a lot I've mm. seen him play at Palace he looks absolutely superb he's going to be the hot ticket this summer isn't he do you know why I like Wan-Bissaka because he was only like one week away from a loan move to League 2 or something like that and it shows how quickly football can change you know just like that mm. and he could have gone to a loan move to some League 2 team I don't know someone like Peterborough or something like that well, I don't know well, who's there well, be firing shots at Peterborough <laughs> I've got a <laughs> but I'm saying he could have not fitted in there and he could have been an absolute no one now and because people forget how quickly a footballer's career switches just like that in a moment of looking fortitude and uh, Rashford not quite the same extreme example but Rashford got there's a lot of injuries that gave him his chance didn't it and then yeah, it happened but it's nice to back you for though Stephen Obviously it is you're indeed. not doing that over at the Etihad do you know what I, um, I, I totally agree with that uh, and I'm an advocate of that and Wan-Bissaka looks a fantastic player an ex-right winger who's just so solid defensively and seems to have everything going for him and he's the kind of player 
that would lock down, you know, a right stop for any of the big teams. But sometimes you do need that opportunity, don't you? And it won't yeah, happen you. because there are people in front of you. And as we said, it happened with Rashford. Mm. He was never going to get an opportunity unless there were injuries. It happened and he took that opportunity. I think that's, that's life. You've got to grab the opportunity. If you don't grab the opportunity, you're never going to get to where you want to get to. I think the interesting side with Wan-Bissaka is his tackle stats are a joke. He's won 94% of his tackles it's this season. insane, isn't it? Wow. That's basically wow. like Lionel Messi stats. Like, that's what Lionel Messi would do with goal scoring and assisting. It's like 94%. I have never, ever seen that in my entire life that that's a success rate. You'd have to it's just incredible. not be putting in any tackles to get it means you've <laughs> got one you. tackle yeah. while you're there. No, but he's, he's eight, five, yeah. six a game. Like He's putting tackles in. He's yeah, not yeah. shying away from the tackles. I mean, there are some slight question marks about how good he is going forward, but at the end of the day, he plays for a team that doesn't have the kind mm. of opportunity to get forward anywhere near as much as he would yeah, if he was I'd at say City or whatever. The, the question for and he was a right winger at some if, point. If he's you putting know. in those stats for Crystal Palace, who aren't going to offer the same protection as maybe other teams, then that's truly remarkable. Yeah, exactly. No, that, I think he'll be good. I think the I think yeah. the big question marks are. I think defensively he's very good, but I think going forward we'll we'll see whether he can fit into a United or a City mm. because being a fullback or a wing back, should we say, for any of those clubs or any of the top teams in Europe is different. It's more about attacking. Yeah. You basically have to be good defensively, but it's more about going forward and totally. and, and breaking teams down. So that's the side of the game that we're not going to see at Palace, but we might see for England if he makes the, the Nations League squad, which he fully should do. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Talking about the sort of opportunities that young players get, there was a really interesting scenario in the England team, obviously this weekend, mm. with Callum Hudson-Odoi making his international debut before his Premier League debut. And I couldn't work out in my head, I couldn't work out whether this was just the, like club versus country and the way things are ranked or whether it was an indictment of Chelsea's policy with youth players and not Bang. giving them a chance. It's the second one. <laughs> That's a goal. <laughs> he, he should be playing. In, I mean, it is. we know this thing about Chelsea. We've known it for a long time that they buy young players and they put them out on loan. Does there need to be something introduced to stop this kind of hoarding? <laughs> no, because it's their own fault. No, but, the, yeah, but the, it's having an impact. If it's having well, an impact so on the development of players, we've, we've, already, we've already got the. There's a rule coming in that you can have a certain amount of loanies away from your club next season. So that's mm. one rule that's good. Which is how many? I think it's. But then there's rules as well in terms of like which league it goes to and all this kind yeah. of stuff. There's, there's some caveats where even City with all the loans we've got aren't that far. For it, apparently, I remember reading about it somewhere, but mm. it's going to change it. Um, but yeah, I do think hoarding of players. I, I agree, with you, it's like kind of their own fault for going there. But I think hoarding of players. Um, it doesn't encourage the right kind of moves and it's a little bit, I don't know, I'm not really a fan of it because I think in general, like, you, you know, it's the whole grass is always growing on the other side of thing as well. Like, let's get them all, collect them like Pokemon cards. It's a business, one move. It's a business move. That's all yeah. it is. It's not, you're not treating a footballer as a footballer. You're treating a footballer as an asset that signs mm. to your academy at the age of 15. You actually don't care about them at all. There's no struggle. You train no. them, you loan them out and then you sell them. That is the Chelsea business model. They don't make enough money from revenue from from the season tickets because the ground's too small. But surely that would have an impact on a club. If you've got a player like Hudson-Odoi or many other youngsters that have gone and they they want to progress. You think Tammy Abrahams, who arguably were better at that, you, you know, underage group, like the... The team that was under 19s that won the you know the youth league, whatever it was, mm. the European youth league, the equivalent of the Champions League at that level, was a better team than what we're seeing now at Chelsea. Callum Hudson-Odoi is probably a better talent, but that team was better. Yeah, we've seen none of those players come through, zero. 
Tammy Abraham's is so if on loan. Young, if you're a young player, you look. You at don't your go options, to Chelsea. Well, you just don't go to Chelsea. But they do. The thing is, they get <laughs> the money. Get like that's, a, that's it. They get you, a world class education. They definitely do in terms of a certain level. But you but, get that at Southampton. You get that at any other club round there. You get that at Arsenal. You get mm-hmm. that at Tottenham. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I mean. I, I totally agree. And look, you look at Declan Rice as well. As as we're recording this mm. now, he's just been named uh, in the England team as well. So it's another debutant there, a player, a traditionally smaller club, you know, like uh, who's getting a chance in the Premier League. But he came there. through at Chelsea. Was he a Chelsea kid? He came through at Chelsea. <laughs> and he got out, essentially. What age did he, he get out? out? I think he got out at 16, maybe 15. Oh, so he's literally scholarship age. He's already so. played over 50 games for West Ham, so he yeah. must have moved some time ago. Yeah, well, there we go. So, like, um, that's another young player who's got out. I think, in general, we're going to see a trend of that now of these mm. young lads who will leave at the scholarship stage where they get offered the contract, you know, around 16, and they'll just think, no, that'd be smart. If you, were, if you were a young lad coming through in London, it'd be smart to do that because, you know, there's no avenue to the first team, but you can have this world class tuition. Mm. Like, a big one coming through now, Billy Gilmore. Supposed to be the next big thing in central midfield. Is he going to play for Chelsea? No. Billy Gilmore, what a name. Great name. That's a good name. That's a good Imagine him playing in the 1950s, yeah. like post-warring. Jimmy Gimbel's mate. Yeah. Stroking Billy the Gilmore. ball around in central midfield. <laughs> right, Dave, Steve, thank you very much for tonight's yes, show. Cheers. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode and we'll see you soon on the Manchester Football Social.